everyone, welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Amity. And this week, we're getting further into the stand by being introduced to four new characters. Yes, it seems to be moving at a glacial pace. Indeed. So, before we get started with our uh, recap of episode two of the 2020 stand miniseries, how was your week? My week was actually fairly busy. There was a lot of celebrating. Our roommate had a birthday. Celebration. So did our country. A lot of food. And then there was, of course, the holiday. Yeah, yeah. And, um... For which I escaped You escaped. You left me here to... Coming back to a headline of Oakland Police Chief refers to 4th of July as 12 hours of chaos. (laughs) Was it really that bad or was it... I mean... Yeah, two people died. Oh, wow. I didn't know He said that there was a lot of celebratory gunfire... More than they had seen previously. And then the other side was there was a lot of celebratory gunfire and a lot of sideshows this year. Um, oh, sideshows are always kind of dangerous no matter how long. Um, yeah, and they were shooting off fireworks from mm-hmm. the cars. So it, sideshows are a thing that I didn't know about before I moved here. Right. Uh, they are, I believe, in Oakland. Like, they started it in Oakland. It might be an Oakland phenomena. It seems like I've only, you know... I heard about them here, but then again, that might, might not be the case. But yeah, they're enough of an Oakland phenomenon to where they're part of the blind spotting. Yes. They're just ingrained in culture here. 12, 12 hours of nonstop chaos is what the police referred to it. So, sideshow and informal demonstration of automotive stump, stunts held in vacant lots and public intersections, most often in the East Bay region of the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh. Y'all... They mean Oakland. Right. <laughs> They're talking about Oakland. These are people from the town. The town, which is they, Oakland. Right. It's not Boston, but no, Boston will no, have you. Because in the Bay Area, town. people know that we have two places. We have the city, which is San Francisco, and the town, which, town is which is Oakland. Uh, yeah, so it started in the 70s, mm-hmm. and now much of what is comprised, it's a lot of music, mm-hmm. um, and then these cars... Basically, doing donuts in a right. section. That's, I mean, that's fundamentally what it is. Right. They're they're drifting and they're doing the donuts. They're taking all of the rubber. Sometimes off their tires. There are some races involved too. Okay, yeah. Sometimes so, drag racing yeah, and I, things. Some like of the that. guys that I worked the the truck with at Uhuru. Uh, and it's like, and they're showing off their cars. Usually, right. they're either raised or lowered. It mm-hmm. used to be that they were lowered, but now it's the raised yeah. cars, right? And. Um, they're spinning, they're blasting their music, um, and in in this case, they were shooting off fireworks from right. the vehicles, so it was like a combo deal. But there were sideshows all over the city right. uh, this weekend. Donuts and ghost riding, which means, do you know what ghost riding is? Mm. You drive the car, you open the front door, and you climb out. That doesn't sound safe. And you stand or dance or walk next to the car while it's still going. Actually, that, that would be really With cool to watch. no one <laughs> driving In it. very controlled circumstances, it would be really cool to watch. Yeah, so that is what mm-hmm. sideshows are. And there okay. were a ton of them this weekend. Uh, to the point where, yeah, the police department was like, we could not get to all of the things we were called to. We were going from shooting to shooting. Uh That's what we were focusing on. And yeah, a lot of it was celebratory gunfire. Hey guys, 
When you fire a gun into the air, the bullet comes back down. And sometimes it strikes children. So let's not. If mm-hmm. you feel like you need to fire a weapon in celebration, do it at the ground. Mm-hmm. Or do it in something that... Yeah. Or something that will envelop that a bullet. That doesn't ricochet. That doesn't ricochet, yes. Not like cement. I mean like dirt. Yeah. <sighs> uh, but yeah, so so it's a, it a rough weekend here. I escaped to... Uh, the very so small town. What was it like there? Guadalupe, California. Guadalupe. There were a significant number of illegal fireworks going mm-hmm. off, but they were all going off in a reasonable time frame. Right. Like when it got dark till about 11. <laughs> that was it. See, it's funny because it's, uh, 11 is around when it started keying up even more. Yeah, it was no, pretty this, intense it feels like. After dark. That it. There were few enough people. That's the other thing is I think there were like six groups with the mm. illegal fireworks, not like 600. Right. So they just, you know, kind of went back into like sort of back and forth. Like uh-huh. they would, some would go over there and some would go over there and some would go back there. And then they would just kind of go around and around and around. And then they were done by, you know. Right. They're expensive, I think. I imagine they would be. I, I haven't set off fireworks in I, a very long we time. We had safe and sane ones. We uh-huh. got the safe and sane ones and, and set them off in front of the house, uh-huh. which was fun. But then we were being punctuated by right. these you know, other ones, and you could hear them. You hear that pull, oh, like, and then you can watch them go and then explode. We had a friend who, in their neighborhood, there were people putting off mortars in the middle of the street. Yeah. And that, to me, sounds like it's a danger to everyone's yard and roof and things like that. That's the other thing. California is a tinderbox. Yeah, especially now. We've had a really dry year. Oh, it's funny. I look up how much do illegal fireworks cost, and it gives me the fine. (laughs) And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking. That was the weekend. It was full of explosions. It was pretty quiet last night. I was surprised. Yeah. I expected it to be a, still continuing right. into last night, but maybe I missed it. Do you want to get into the show? Let's get into the show. Feeling good about it? Mm-hmm. All right. So, oh, before we get started, let's just lock this in. We're going to do this show one episode at a time. Yes. And why are we doing that? Because the timeline is inscrutable. It doesn't seem to be um, getting more scrutable. And... There's a, they're pretty dense. This is what, when I was watching that first episode, as I told you, mm-hmm. you know, I made the joke about the Alan Renee version of, uh, it really feels like the story is deliberately disjointed and it's not helping me. Yeah. I'm only is, getting through because I'm familiar with the plot. Yeah. And I, I'm starting to understand why they are doing this one also takes place both like now mm-hmm. or like after the events and there's a helpful at least there's a helpful uh indication of time in this one right. where it literally says five months earlier in new york city yeah. right so but so part of what they're doing i think is trying to get 10 a, a thousand page epic into a thousand page screenplay which doesn't work. 
So, mm. right. Well, they're not, not a thousand. So how, how many hours? It's nine hours. So how many minutes is that? Nine times six is 54. So they're trying to get a thousand page epic into 540 pages of script, right? Because right. t- typically a screenplay, including a teleplay, I believe, is a page per minute. About. That's about how it translates. Um, so what, what they need to do and what they are doing a lot of is single lines of exposition to take out 20 pages yeah. of text. And they want you to understand that all this time has passed, but they don't want to do three episodes in the during times and and six episodes in the after times. They kind of want to to connect the this this storyline so that you can follow the characters through their story. And I understand the impetus, but I don't know how successful it is. So far not that successful, yeah. I would argue. So I I will say honestly though, I'm enjoying the watch of this. Um I think my issue is with the, the using the storytelling device actually at times just makes it. I can't imagine a person who's not familiar with material going into it and oh being yeah, able I, to I can't keep imagine track of what's not, going on. Even if you've seen the mini the mm-hmm. previous miniseries, that feels like head and shoulders above where you be. You, I would, I probably would give it up on this episode after right. the end we, we of this episode. We had a friend episode. who just who is listening now, God bless him, for uh, for this podcast, but had given up previously because it was just so disjointed. Yeah, and didn't that, like being stuck right. with Harold, right? No beginning. one likes being stuck with Harold. You don't want to be stuck with Harold. And in this one, actually, I think the one there's one scene in this episode, the mm-hmm. second episode, called, well, we should say, the second episode is called Pocket Savior. Mm-hmm. It aired originally on Christmas Eve of last year, which is bananas. But by aired, I mean Mm. dropped because it's on a streaming service, right? Um, And it is named Pocket Savior is Larry Underwood's album. So that is where the name comes from. They do some cute things with like linking things in this episode mm-hmm. that I like and they totally bail on writing a song which I think is smart like I, I think it's good the song that he wrote was sort of out of date yes by I, the time they got yes, around to yes precisely and it wouldn't be sung by this dude right right so you want to let's just start at the let's, let's start, start at the, the episode start. oh so we yeah. should, uh, what I was going to say again I'm oh, sorry was the the teleplay is by the same people that wrote the opening mm-hmm. teleplay, Josh Boone and Benjamin Cavill, who is a a person who has written um, Homecoming, that show with Claire Danes that I've never seen any of, uh, and then it was directed by Tucker Gates, who is a he's a television right director mm-hmm. and producer, like he's directed every show you've ever watched. Alias and Lost and Weeds and Carnival and Huff and Boston Legal, Homeland, House of Cards. Like, he directs right. television. So, uh, the the direction of this episode, I think, is cleaner than the direction yes. of the first episode. Uh, sorry, Josh. But you are a movie director and this is a television medium. So, maybe that's why. Um, and we start 
was a black man making breakfast in a sporting goods store while a bunch of people wake up. This is what we know. <laughs> we don't know who it is. Mm -hmm. I did because I knew who had been cast for these different parts. Okay. But you don't know until until the end of this cold open, right? right? And I, first of all, I was like, this is a very good idea. So what they have done is they are in a sporting goods store. Mm -hmm. They have set up tents and things so that they don't have to carry a bunch of stuff with them. Right. They can stop at these sporting goods stores as they go along their journey. And I'm, and then there's all there's fuel and camp at camp stuff and, and probably MREs. I think they mm. have MREs and like yeah. an REI. That was a lot of acronyms, y'all, and I am sorry. MREs are meals ready to eat. <laughs> They're what the uh, military uh, gives to troops in the field. Uh, and y'all, here's a quick early recommendation. I'll find out the actual guy's name at some point and put it in the show notes. There's a TikToker who is deployed, and he TikToks the MREs. And oh. he, like, shows you what they are, and he gets real excited. And, like, when there's M&Ms, he's like, yeah. <laughs> and when there's trail mix, he's, like, bummed out. <laughs> but um, he's really funny, and he likes when there's they add hot sauce. That's his favorite thing. But um, it's hard to watch him, though, because he seems like a baby. Yeah, he seems that. so young, and he's, like, in a combat zone. Right. And it's it's this really disjointed thing because um, I guess war in America we have separated ourselves from the war that we are mm -hmm. actively or wars that we are actively fighting by not putting that in our faces. But I recommend it. He's very sweet, and uh, you can learn about MREs and REI does. I don't know what REI stands for, but you can buy expensive jackets there. So okay, I, I really don't. I don't know what the sporting goods is or REI stands for. They were probably at like a Dick's though. Uh, so they're there. We see him cooking it up, and then we see him open a tent to a young blonde woman who has a necklace that she is hiding from him. That'll come back at the end. Stay tuned. And a young boy. Um, and they have a little interaction where we find out that the boy's name is Joe, sort of. Uh, and... They decide that, or she says, go ahead and take him. You guys get eating and I'll start packing up. And then we hear, that's great. We should get on the road early if we're going to make it to Boulder today. So they are at the end of their uh, pilgrimage, mm -hmm. I guess is the best way to call it. Uh, it's, almost, it's a literal pilgrimage if, it if is. they're on their way to Boulder. It is, yeah. 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 And so we see them coming through the streets that have been cleared out and there's a caravan of it looks like six or seven cars. Mm -hmm. We see this man driving and the blonde woman and the kid in the back seat, the blonde woman that is uh, Amber Heard. She's not our favorite. Everyone. We don't approve of her. We don't love that. She's in this. Yeah. We decided not to issue the whole thing because of her. We watched Johnny Depp stuff. Yes. She's more at fault in this, right. in their thing, but I don't think either of them is particularly innocent. Um, but, yes, we are we are unsupportive of Amber Heard in this household. I'm against, really, this performance for a complete other reason, which is so far it is really boring. Oh, yeah, she hasn't done anything. And, and I'm, I'm deeply bored. Laura Sanjacomo 
from was the minute no, she shows up, anyway. eats the screen alive. But th- that's the interesting thing about this mm, one. So, right. well, we should say, so we see the caravan, we see this woman in the backseat, and she is biting her lip in the most unnatural way I've mm. ever seen anybody bite a lip. Until later when somebody else does the same thing. And I'm just like, what's up with all this lip biting that is done by people who have never clearly never done never that their in lip. their life? Um, and we pull up to a group of waiting people outside of Boulder, mm-hmm. headed by Stu Redman. What's up, buddy? We recognize you. We saw you last week. We know your name. And he says, which one of you is Larry Underwood? And then we get a kind of a close-up mm-hmm. into this black guy's face. And this is Larry Underwood, one of our main five. We'll get into that later. And then that. And then we flash back. And we get a title card. Thank the Lord. New York City, five months earlier. And Larry has locked himself in a bathroom and refuses to play the gig that he is at because his band is sick and his agent or manager or somebody is outside the door and they're fighting and you know he's saying well i'm not going to do karaoke she's like we've got backing tracks you can just play along to that Mm -hmm. he's like i'm not going to karaoke my own song and i'm like you've got a guitar acoustic that shit it's a it's a quiet private night with Larry Underwood. Like like do the thing. It was a small venue anyhow. It so. was a small venue, and there aren't very many people there. Why? Because right. people everyone's getting dying. sick. Right. Uh, we are introduced at that point to Larry's mother, mm-hmm. whom he apologizes to immediately because he had quote had a drink backstage, which she does not believe is the totality. Uh, and then she is disapproving but supportive both. Both, because she's there, uh, but we hear her coughing. It's not, it's not good. So Larry gets up on stage. Uh, he gets ready to play. He's he's toned it down. He's mm-hmm. got his just a, 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 the acoustic guitar. He says it looks like one of his early show, like first shows, because there's like nobody there. He does this line about thanks for being real New Yorkers and not letting the sniffles keep you home, which really hit badly here in 2021. Right. I was like, Ooh. Well, that's kind of what we're getting about his character. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that uh, what we get in the beginning is that he is not, he's not a, um, a particularly empathetic guy. No, that's not the word I'm looking for, is it? He doesn't seem to have much compassion towards other people. He's pretty he's self, self-absorbed. He's, self, he's pretty self-absorbed, right. which you kind of have to be if you're looking to be a famous musician, yeah. right? Um, and he he has growth. We'll see some character growth. Um, but, yeah, to start with, he, like, asks for a drink, and the waitress, and he's like, the waitress asks him what's he want, what, what he wants, and he just takes a drink off of her tray. And I'm mm-hmm. like... Well, she doesn't just have spur martinis. Right. Now she's got to go get another That's, martini for the drinks dude. work? You just have it around? No. Yeah, like, just, I just happen to have just, this martini. This is what you can have. Right. Uh, and he says, this is what uh, Baby Can You Dig Your Man sounded like before it was used to sell perfume. And he says it in a really sort of derogatory way. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but you got paid when it was used right. to sell perfume. And this is a point that's made by... But before he even yeah. takes a strum, so we haven't heard the song at all, Wayne Stucky comes in 
uh, apparent drug dealer, ex-roommate of Larry, possible writer of famous said famous song, uh, and starts a fight. There's no... Apparently, there's no security, which Larry yells, what, there's no security? And I'm like, yeah, right, like... You would think somebody would be there. Because the dude gets all the way up on the stage, and they start, like, straight up tussling on stage. So, that's the last... And then that's a a cut from that. Mm -hmm. Then we see Lloyd. Lloyd. Lloyd Henry. Henrik? Henried. H-E-N-R-E-I-D. Henried. Lloyd Henry played in this. Well, first, let's say Joven Adepo is the name of the man who's playing Larry Underwood. Okay. Uh, that it, he is a British American. And he was in that Overlord movie. Oh, wow. Maybe yeah. Recognize him. That weird Nazi. Um, Zombie. Nazi vampires? Yes. Anti-Nazi. We have to point that out. It's not like it was encouraging Nazism. As a matter of fact, the Nazis are the bad guys. Yes. Always. Let's, yeah. So, then we have uh, Lloyd Henry. And in the original, that is probably the best casting from mm-hmm. the original one. Well, some of the best casting from the original one. They got Miguel Ferrer, Ferrer to do it in the original. Mm-hmm. And he was spectacular in yeah. all of the things, but really could capture a pathetic man covering up with faux confidence, right. which is what this character requires. Yeah, so what did you feel about this performance? I really... Okay, so they have Nat Wolf doing it in this one. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen much yet, but I am enjoying what he's doing. But he is so much... That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. They're so much younger, yeah. it feels like, than the original cast. Like, Nat Wolf is like... Maybe he's older than I think he is, but I think of him as being very young. Uh, let me see. Du, 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 du. 26. Yeah, no, I'm right. He's very young. He was born in 1994 mm. when the original miniseries came out. <laughs> so he's 26 years old, which actually feels better for Lloyd because the thing about Lloyd is Lloyd was sort of tricked into doing all the. Well, he was also high. Right. Tricked and high. Into doing some heinous crimes and then getting he got caught, right? Right. And we see him being put into jail, mm-hmm. and his uh, bunk mate says, you know, gives him gives his little list of what he's in for, which was weird. First of all, he's called Gorgeous George, so that's lovely, big black dude. And uh, he said, "Yeah, you are. You even." put this flu move this flu to the second page of the newspaper and he goes oh, i was in the news i made it in the newspaper and he says yeah and then he sits up and he says i'm george whatever right. you can call me gorgeous something like breaking and entering battery and then like possession of burglary tools like it was real down into the specifics and then he says lloyd henry and i was framed and then we flash back into a an extremely gory scene. Right. Like, extremely gory scene of the convenience store holdup 
uh, that got him arrested, wherein he accidentally puts a blows a shotgun through a woman's face at close range, head at close yeah. range so then the convenience store clerk is covered in matter mm-hmm. and then his buddy is including his mouth yes there's there's a couple it's of scenes here his, where people uh, yeah. get well and then stuff it, like brain matter or it, fecal matter thrown in their mouth in their mouth yeah. yeah he gets it later uh the the pus or yeah. the the the, it just yeah, it was yeah. a repeated like they kept doing that in this yeah. episode. It, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of care for it. So, um, and and his partner like holds it like holds his gun to to Lloyd to have mm-hmm. him shoot the clerk now. Clerk, right? Now that he started shooting, he's got to finish shooting, and he says, "I never shot anybody before." I'm like, you literally just did, dude. And then there's a cop in the store, and he takes out Lloyd's partner by shooting him in the face but not killing him just putting a bullet through it, his right cheek. through his cheeks sort of like it's rough. the explorer burden you know where he gets the spear through both sides of it yeah it like shot through his face although and when that happens yeah. then the soundtrack switches to uh was it island in the sun it's it's weezer which is an it's interesting choice, choice. And then at that point, the cops break in, and Lloyd immediately gives up, because he's not a mm-hmm. badass. He's not a desperado. He's not a murderer. I mean, he is. He murdered somebody. Well, well, he but he's murdered. not a murderer. <laughs> he's not a murderer in that he doesn't seem to have the stomach for it. Yeah. Um, and Which was what was bothering me, because I don't know how I'm going to react to this Lloyd going forward. But that is that was that should have been again, true with the original Lloyd. I, read, well. yeah. I haven't read the book. So I'm only going yeah. by the performances in the other, yeah. the other version and, yeah. and going because back and forth. Because here's the thing about Randall Flagg. Mm-hmm. He needs people he can manipulate. Right. If you are overly assertive, he doesn't really yeah, want to have anything to do with you. My concern going forward is Lloyd becomes competent at running this town um, when they later move yes, to Vegas. Yes, except so. then he clearly isn't when they, what happens to Nadine happens to Nadine. Right, so, it goes, so I, I just don't know how this guy will handle it. But I'll, I think a big piece of mm-hmm. it will be watching him uh, sober up because that's the other thing. We haven't right. touched on it yet because we haven't gotten to Vegas yet, mm-hmm. but they don't allow drugs or drinking in Vegas, which is a really interesting thing. That's why he's the devil. Because maybe you went to Vegas and there's no and drugs there's no and drugs and drinking. Like why bother? It's really interesting to me that you would presume hedonism and that is not yeah. what is happening. But we'll get into that when we get into that. We we have not gotten into that. So that's so we get that convenience store scene and then you know Lloyd mm-hmm. covered in other people's blood on the ground, just saying I surrender, I surrender, <laughs> like. Um, and then we uh, have a little quick driving scene with Larry and Stu. Stu's driving Larry over to Mother Abigail's, and Stu's telling, you know, double-checking that he's having the dreams because mm-hmm. they're supposed to. And, um, you know, Stu says, Mother Abigail said that before everybody anybody got here, she got five names. That Those yeah. were the ones that were going to run the town. Stu is one of them. And Larry is one of them. And 
you know, Larry's like, well, I'm going to have to ask her why, because I wasn't really doing anything worth, right. you know. And and Stu laughs because she's not going to tell him why. <laughs> and This uh, is not on her list of priorities to do. Yeah. She and then she, much. we find out then that Larry, large parts of Larry's journey were following Harold's signs. Mm -hmm. We saw Harold painting his name and Fran's name. In a gunquit, but we don't see him do it any further. But apparently, all the way across the country, he is mm. putting up signs, right. you know, go this way, avoid this. Although I don't know how you could say avoid things if you're following. But um, but we haven't seen m many more of them. But we do know that that is how Larry navigated his way to Boulder. Uh, then we have a little scene that is baffling to me between Franny and Nadine and Joe. And this is when we find out that Nadine is Nadine. This is the first time we mm -hmm. get her name. And uh, they're talking about Joe and how he was found in Pennsylvania where no houses were around. Um, and he's, he doesn't speak. Uh, they really didn't have this character. It, it, he's a big part of the book. Uh -huh. He's not really in the miniseries at all. The okay. first miniseries right. at all. Um, and then Franny says, does he sign at all? Sometimes they teach autistic kids sign language. And then she gets down on his level and signs, nice to meet you. Mm -hmm. Co absolutely correctly in sign language. ASL. And says, my brother was deaf. I didn't even realize she had a brother. Uh, there's no sign of her brother. There isn't. There is a deaf character in this. We'll see him in about mm, 10 minutes. Yeah. Not even. I don't know why that line is in this movie. Like, it's... I don't know, because we didn't get any indication of that from the first episode no. where we're talking about her. I thought she was an only child. Yeah. I, I didn't... I, that was interesting to me, yeah, too. I was just like... That's a wild line to have in here. It was also was, like it seems like the actress said it, and the um, and like also because he, is he just assuming that the kid is autistic? Is she's well because he's not speaking. He doesn't right, so speak. Everyone there is traumatized. Everyone there is so traumatized. I know. Like later, somebody says he's had a rough, he's had a rough time or whatever. Mm. Oh, it, it to Harold, and right. then Harold's like, we all have like, duh. Um, and we see that some people are living in the houses um, and they have to use uh, candles mm -hmm. um, because the power is not on. And then she says, you know, too bad, Mother Abigail. Or, and, and Nadine says, well, we passed whole towns where the ta power was never right. shut off. And Franny's like, yeah, too bad, Mother Abigail couldn't psychically, you know, bring us all to one of those towns, right? And Nadine's like, huh, yeah. <laughs> And she says, you are having the dreams, right? I'm supposed to ask. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm having them. And I'm like, no, you're not. no, no, she is not. Uh, and then we go and we are at a flashback again. Mm -hmm. And it is presumably the day after the concert. Larry is waking up next to the waitress that gave him the martini. She is sick, like she has snot. Yeah, there's just a, so there's much a very interesting kind face. of uh, reveal there. Because yeah. at first he's looking at her 
naked back and there's like a sort of tattoo down spine. Down, yeah, down his spine. And then and then he reaches over and does a line of coke off of right. the night table. And then she turns over and her face is just covered in snot. It's not. Yeah, there's like she says, "Can I have a tissue?" And she's just got green. Mm-hmm snot everywhere and he's like oh i'm gonna go <laughs> and she's like i thought you were a nice guy and i'm like okay what you're must have been all the coke you guys shared what are you talking That's the about sign of yeah. a nice guy. and then he gets a call as he's leaving that his mom's at the hospital and so he mm. goes to the hospital and she looks terrible she's got the neck the thing horrible bloated neck and the whole business yeah yeah mm. and uh so he is like you're burning up i'm gonna get you out of here she has a thing where she says go get your father from the bar mm-hmm. he's with that woman or whatever like she's she's not delirious. in the present anymore yeah and uh and so he's like i'm gonna get you out of here i think at this point it seems like everybody knows that it, this is fatal right the ho- the hospital is a mess, like it's a madhouse, and uh, it's raining, and he's wheeling her, trying to wheel her. He's at the top of some stairs, in I guess into his apartment. He's trying to do it uh, like a brownstone. He's trying to get her in there. Inside, yeah. Well, there's a glass door, and then he's there at the top of the stairs, and Wayne shows up again, and now his neck is all swollen, right? And he's got a gun. And he's, um, he says, you know, he's going to kill him. He's going to kill Larry. And Larry's, mm-hmm. like, over a song. And he kind of falls over. Like, he's not really able to stand. And uh, at that point, even though the dude has a gun, and his point, which is pointed in his general direction, Larry kind of just shakes his head and then takes his mom inside. And uh, sits with his mom as she passes away. And then he goes out, and he's smoking a cigarette, looking out at Wayne, who's, mm-hmm. like, slumped against the side of his car on the ground right. in the rain, just not moving. Yeah. He's away- he's alive, but he's not able to do anything, it looks like. And so he comes out, he grabs the gun out of his hand, and then he's like, you know, I'll give you a little sniff, it'll help, or whatever, it's the least I can do, just tell me where it is. Because he knows he's holding drugs. And uh, when Wayne doesn't answer, he's like, who are you hiding it from? There's nobody to hide it from. I'm like, well, you, dude. Because you're about to take his drugs from him, which is exactly what happens. He pops the... He pops the door open because the keys are still in the the car. Mm -hmm. And then he pops the trunk and there's a duffel bag just full of drugs. Cut to Larry's best friend, duffel bag full of drugs. Uh, and then we are back in the present. Present? Post. In the post. And we're at Abigail's house. There is a bunch of people outside, and a lot of them are there to meet her for the first time. She comes out for two hours every day to greet people. Uh, and a lot of them have already met her but want to stay close to her. Cause... Mm-hmm. And we go up to the house, and we are introduced to Ray Bretner, who I believe in the book is a, is a guy, guy yeah. in this woman, native. Is Irene Bernard. Well, who is this? She is a Native American actress who was the voice and the physical inspiration for Pocahontas, Disney's Pocahontas. Oh. But she appeared in a lot of films, including Smoke Signals. Oh, yeah. And, um, oh, God, uh, there's a film, of uh, Lakota Woman, I can't remember the name of it, 
Uh, but yeah, she was, uh, she actually was just a really interesting actress and uh, activist. So it was really great to see her again. She does the voice of Pocahontas and Ralph Breaks the Internet. So that's fun. Yeah, she's um, really striking looking. Yeah. And small, though. Mm -hmm. I was like, she looks like she, she could kick your ass, but also she is compact. She is one of the... It's really funny. The impression that you get when you see her is that she's very tall. Because she's a long person, and mm -hmm. then it turns out she's not. She's not. She's, she's just, not. You yeah. see her next to these two dudes, and she right. is clearly smaller than them, but also could take either of them in a yeah. fight, I guarantee it. Um, and she's basically the muscle. Like, she mm -hmm. is the security for Mother right. Abigail. She says, she fucks with, with uh, Larry a little. She's like, took your sweet time getting here. And, and Sue's yeah. like, no, she's fucking with you. And she introduces herself, Ray Bretner. And she says, um, you know, it's dangerous being a prophet in the, at the end of the world. And he says, is that what she is? And I think she, Ray says, you know, I'll let you determine. For well, that's not for me to say. Not for me to say, yeah. So they go into the house. Although if we have a definition, this would be it. Yeah. yeah. They go into the house and we see he sits down and then uh, Nick comes out of the back room. We, we only know that because Ray says, Larry Underwood, Nick Andros. Uh, Nick Andros, and this is played by, oh, I've forgotten. I've lost his name again. Bew, bew, bew. Henry Zaga. He is current, currently, we don't, we have not seen any of the mm -hmm. other things with him. Currently, he has got an eye patch. Right. <laughs> and he's not speaking. Uh, Larry stands up, holds out his hand to introduce himself, and uh, Nick signs Larry, puts an L up to his heart, so, which, which is probably the sign for, like he's saying, Larry. Um, and then we hear Whoopi Goldberg, we hear Mother Abigail from the background, and she says, Larry Underwood, you better come in here and sing me a song. That's it. That's the all the Mother Abigail we're going to get this, right. this uh, episode. So, hope it was enough for you. Um, then uh, we have we see him in a dream. He's dreaming of rats and he's dreaming of Skarsgård, and then he wakes up in Central Park. He uh, has a fun interaction with a dude in a what's the thing called? Like a, a hospital a hospital gown. gown. Mm -hmm. It's called the hospital gown, guys. Uh, who says that he's gonna go to Yankee Stadium? Uh, run around the bases until his heart's content and then jerk off on home plate. So, you know, we all have goals. And then he's yeah. like, good luck with that. And he, mm -hmm. like, backs away. And the guy's like, don't you understand? We can do anything we want. And Larry's like, I know Larry's thoughts are, I do understand that. And I don't want to do that. Or well, be I mean, around someone like, whose end right. life goal is that. If you can do anything you want, this is your ambition. And then he's walking through the park, and he comes across Rita Blakemore, who is sitting on a bench under an umbrella, or a parasol, really. Um, and they sit together. She has a gun, and she fires it off for no reason, but says, I don't think I could shoot somebody, and kind of gives him the gun. And she right. says, you know... Although she is a very good shot. Yeah, yeah it turns out. Um... She says, you're very pleasant to be around. I'm glad you're not crazy. Because meanwhile, they're hearing gunshots in the distance. They're here. He tells her about Yankee, mm -hmm. the Yankee 
What did she, she call, call them? She had a great pet name for him. The Yankee Cranker? Yes. Or something <laughs> like that? Yankee Yanker? Oh, a lot Yankee of... Yanker, that might have been it. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, she's she says, you know, what did you do before all of this? And he says, do you want to see? And she goes, okay. And he holds out her, his elbow, and they go to take off. Now... Rita Blakemore was not in the original mm-hmm. um, miniseries. Right. She was the things that La- the experiences that Larry has with her merged into the experiences that Larry had with Nadine mm. um, in the original. They Rita was in the book, is in the book, and in this she is played by Heather Graham. Right. Who, this might be the best thing I've ever seen her do. I think that it was really pleasant to see her. It's like, oh, I remember Heather Graham because she's one of those people who just disappeared. Um, but her performance was actually very good. I mean, it was enjoyable. The most naturalistic I right. think I've ever seen. I was like, I believe she is this woman. Now, she's playing like. A socialite, a Manhattan East Upper East Side Manhattan socialite. Right. Like that—that is probably the closest to Heather Graham well, that she's the ever played. Times that I've seen her that I've liked her have been in weird, where she's doing something a little offbeat, like um, The Hangover. Okay, right? yeah. Where she does these sort I of odd, that she, she just that pops now. up at random times, yes. and like, oh, there's when something she, there. And and there are later things, I think, after she stopped taking herself so seriously. Because mm-hmm. you told me a story about her on oh, From Hell. Oh, From Hell, where she insisted on different makeup. There was a, a real effort to cast actresses who looked like Jack the Ripper's victims. Right. And an effort to deglamorize everyone's appearance to look. Like dirty. a prostitute in and London she insisted at, that time. at the time on having her own makeup artist because she didn't want to look grungy and dirty like everyone else. She didn't want to have her teeth stained. So she looks conspicuously like a modern woman with yes. modern dyed hair in the middle of this yes. landscape. Of, yes, her hair is a color that right, of haggard no faces one in London and, have. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's a bummer to me. And the mm-hmm. fact that she really actually looks like her age in this. Right. I mean, she looks fantastic. Right. But she doesn't look like she's had a whole lot of work done. Mm-hmm. And she's just very... She's great in this role. And I was just like... This is nice. <laughs> this is nice. So we're going to come back to them. Uh, we uh, we have a quick, very quick scene of Lloyd in the jail. Uh, they are carting away bodies. He tries to get the guard to let him out. Um, his roommate is sick and swollen. And the guard, uh, and he says, well, you have to feed us. You haven't given us food or water. Right. In... Um, in a day, and the guard looks over at the toilet and says, "You have water." And Lloyd goes, "You want me to? You want me to drink toilet water?" And the and the the guard scoops some of the mucus or the pus, whatever yeah. is coming out of the bodies of the and and it's coated all of, like we're right. seeing a lot of it. Anytime we see the sick people, they just have. Mucus and phlegm and mm-hmm. yuck coming out of their faces. He scoops a bunch of that off and flings it in Lloyd's face. At right. which point Lloyd goes and uses toilet water to wash it off. So, and he says, "You know, welcome to the new the the new world cop killer." Right. That's the thing. He a cop even the guy who killed the cop. 
He's not, but he got put in jail right. after cops died. So yeah, the the guards are not going to be, you know, keen. Then we see him sitting in his bunk with uh, fires, like burning toilet paper papers coming down mm-hmm. outside the bars, and um, it just looks like this is how he dies. He's just going to be, even if he's immune. Right. He's going to be neglected in here until he starves to death. Um, and then we go back to Larry and Rita. And Larry is showing Rita the billboard, the pocket savior billboard. And she says, no one's ever going to take it down. You're going to be up here forever. Right. Like you've conquered New York City. And then she says, are you hungry? And he says, yeah. And she says, "Go back, come, let's go back to my apartment. Where she makes some food and then they have a lot of sex. All the sex. You know what I liked about this, that set of scenes, is it felt perfectly natural. It didn't feel forced at all. Like these two people, you can see how they would spark and they would be into each other right away. Yeah. But I think that your mindset changes too. I mean, these are some of the literal last people left in New York City. Yeah. Um... And these so are two people like, who probably would never meet each other in actual life. No, Their they orbits wouldn't. would not be around. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. Or would not enclose each other. Yeah. But I just thought it was actually very sweet. Yes. And and it's filmed nicely. Right. Respectfully, I think. She's mostly covered. Right. We don't have to see just, you know, well, I would just have, her and not him. I understand. I would like something other than, you know... Vomit and rot at this yeah, point. It, like, yes, that's the other thing. You need some sort of visual break for, yeah. for how much physical yeah. corruption and yeah. you, you see in this movie. It was it's hard to take. Yeah, and and they're talking about the smell, and he's like, "It's only going to get worse. We can't stay mm-hmm. here." Um, you know, there's eight million bodies in, um, you know, furnished, furnished heat heating right. place. Like, it's just as. As it gets into summer, it's going to get worse. It's going to get the worse. The water supply is going to get tainted, and and there's rats right. everywhere. They mm-hmm. carry diseases that they're not immune to. Right. He's like, we got to go, and they're the plan is George Washington Bridge, right? That's where they're going to go. And she says, I'm scared, and he says, me too. You'd have to be, you know, batshit crazy not to be. Right. But we've got pills for that. So, because he's got a duffel bag full of Those drugs. drugs. Uh, and then we've got the indecent proposal scene, which is from the book. Now, does does it go on? Is there any more character development with that, or these are just you know? I don't believe so. I I think it's one of those gang of roving crazies right. gang. So, uh, dude comes up to them. He says, "Excuse me, excuse me," but really, he's coming up to Larry. He's talking to Larry. He says, right. "I've got a million dollars. I will give you right now." I don't know what why anyone would want a million dollars at this point, but okay. Capitalism, it dies super hard. Uh, And he says, all you have to, uh, all all we need in exchange or whatever, or all I want in exchange is 15 minutes with her. Lovely. So that's upsetting. And Larry's like, no, go away. And he pulls his gun and and the guy says, you know, that was a mistake. You should have taken the deal. And he's got Two buddies, both armed, mm-hmm. coming up behind. Not behind Larry and Rita, but behind him. Him, Larry fires a gun 
the gun sort of off, and then they run. And they end up running into the sewers. And uh, it doesn't go super good. Um, there are rats. Um, and Larry says, just pretend we're Ninja Turtles. Because Rita's like, I don't think I can do this. He says, just pretend we're Ninja Turtles. I'm like, I don't think that's a reference she's going to get. But okay. <laughs> and, uh, oh, Nadine and Joe. So Nadine and Joe are getting settled. Mm-hmm. And Larry offers to stay. Uh, asks Nadine if this is what she wants. Offers to stay on the couch and it won't have to mean anything. Yeah. And this is the fourth... Is it the third scene or the fourth scene with Nadine? Um, we had seen her right at the very beginning. Um, we've seen her with Franny. And it's this scene. I think it's, this is the third scene. Uh, he She asks him what the old lady said, or the old woman said to him. Right. Which is... It's a weird way to address her. It's given a weird way the, to address her. Right. And... and um, Given the respect that everyone seems to have. For yes. Her. And and if you're faking respect, you would fake the respect, mm-hmm. I would think. Um, and and it is the same term that Laura Sanchiacomo used in the first one. Right. But I believed it when she said it. Yeah. This one it makes makes me feel like she doesn't, she can't remember her name. Not that she's giving derision. Yeah. And it's, it's really odd. But like I said, or, you know, Amber Heard has been completely wooden and forgettable in this role so far. Well, so maybe this is a safe space for me to say it. And as I said earlier, Laura San Giacomo really just ate that part alive. Yes. To the point where she completely abandoned whatever sex symbol thing she was doing at the time. Outside and of this? See, I only knew her from the TV show right, she was on. You know, so sex lives and videotape and some other stuff that yeah, she was no. doing. And just went completely fidgety, tweaky mad. To the point where you can see where Larry Underwood, right? Yeah. In that version of the story, is trying to take care of her because she obviously is just losing her marbles. Yes. But he also is, like, wants her. Right. I mean, clearly this Larry wants her as well. Yeah. Although he's, got no, a, he's got a type I can't imagine why, because she's incredibly disconnected yeah. and, and dull. Yes. Whereas Laura San Giacomo had this sort of kind of vulnerability where you wanted to take care of her. Yeah, we should say um, in that scene where she was with Franny, and I forgot to mention this, uh-huh. she says, you know, I call him Joe because that's what I would call the kids in my class when I couldn't remember their name. Mm-hmm. And Franny's like, oh, you're a teacher? That's great. We need teachers. The, the sooner the better. Um, because we've got some other kids and also more on the way. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, your kid doesn't need a teacher for like five years. So, But I'm just like, there's no way this woman was a teacher. Right. Well, what? She, she, one of the things that and then, is um, puzzling me about her performance is that she doesn't seem to engage at all with anyone. At all, no. And and Franny asks, "Will you mm-hmm. will you be responsible for Joe? Like, will right. you be his new mother?" Basically, is, is how Nadine rephrases it. And she's like, "Of course." She clearly doesn't want to, right? And it it seems like a wild ask from a person who has no real say over, yeah, like. Like, like Joe has no agency at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly he likes Nadine and wants to be near her. That is, but I don't know why. Right. There's nothing here that makes me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. And I believe and in the book. I'm hoping that her performance improves over 
Uh, He's with another couple of uh, women who aren't in this yet, and maybe won't be. Weren't in the original, or were very, very little in the original. Um, Yeah, I I don't understand anyone's attraction to her or any of that right now. She's just completely flat. Yeah, it's 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 odd. It's very odd. Uh and then um you know, she's like, No, that's fine, we'll be fine, uh, mm-hmm. but can you take Joe with you when you go to Harold's because right. I wanna get us set up. And I'm like, What does that even mean? You don't own anything, you don't have anything. Yeah. Like you're moving into a fully furnished apart or a house with, you know, the former residence's stuff. So I guess looking around and figuring out what you have, but it it it's it's very it's very odd, it, 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 her and whole she never seems to want to have right anything now. to do with him. Yeah, with Joe. I, I don't. I can't get a read on what she's trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe we'll see her story next time. I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we are flashback, um, and uh, Larry is still lost in the sewer. It's getting deeper. He sees his mom in a very upsetting scene. Where she is both talking to him and choking on live rats that are coming out of her body. Mm -hmm. It's uh, deeply upsetting. He freaks out. But manages not to lose the duffel bag because priorities. He knows where his priorities are. Priorities. And he drops his phone, which sucks. But he is able to climb out of a manhole. gets, Gets stuck at the top of it. But then is helped out by Rita. And I'm like, that's some convenient bullshit. He's like, how did you get here? She goes, I went north, like we said. And look, the George Washington Bridge is right there. And I'm just like, this is insane. Um, and then there's like, um, there's a pan out. So we see the bridge and we see the city and it's burning in various places. But we don't watch them tra- uh, cross the bridge. In this, in the uh, miniseries, they decided to go through a tunnel. Right. And there's a very, you know, that was a really sequence well in that done tunnel. scene in that original film. And it's we just skip it. Right. I don't know if we're coming back to it. Right. Probably not, because the next mm. thing we see is them camping under a bridge. I don't know if it's the other side of George Washington right. or another bridge elsewhere. It's raining. And uh, Larry and Rita are splitting a bottle, and I'm sure they've had some pills. And she's like, "This is stupid." And he's like, "What? What are you talking about? The rain, or like being camping right. in the rain, or something?" And she goes, "No, being alive when nobody else is alive. It's like being the last one at the party." And he's like, "Are you concerned that it's tacky?" And she goes, "It's stupid, and it's not worth it." And he's like, "Okay." Uh, I'm pretty tired. Do you want to go to bed? And she's like, I'm going to stay up for a while. And I'm like, you should monitor her behavior. Yeah, also, it's not a safe world for people to be wandering around by themselves. No. As they just got evidence. As they of, just had evidence right, of, yeah. So, um, I don't understand that choice at all. He goes to bed, and she um, doesn't. And then we uh, see Harold, and we know it's Harold's house, because outside we hear, clack, 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 ding, clack, 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 ding, clack, clack, clack. And he is typing his manifesto on his uh, little typewriter. You know that nobody really reads those manifestos, right? Journalists read them. But Journalists read them. By and large, no. nobody has the time for these no. things. And uh, 
and it's Larry and Joe visiting Harold. And Larry says, you know, I followed you across the country. I followed your signs across the country. And when I wasn't sure what to do, I just wondered or thought to myself, what would Harold do? And and I will say, this is the only scene we have with Owen Teague this season or this episode. Mm-hmm. The only Harold scene we have. And it is the most likable Harold has ever been. Right. He seems genuinely tickled that he was able to help somebody or that like or or that somebody read maybe it's just that somebody read something that he wrote. I don't know. <laughs> and uh Harold gives him drinks. Right. And he says, Is Franny here? I would I'd love to meet her and and that's when, you know, Harold's right. face falls and no, she actually doesn't live here and and Larry says, Yeah, I was traveling with someone too and it didn't work out. So I'll come over one night with some, some drinks and we'll have right. you know, we'll have and, a drink and, and talk about that's it. That's the tragedy of Harold. Everybody is totally Everyone's down being to completely be, open to him and he's just he's still, still a prick. so yeah. And he can't stop. Yeah. It's Meanwhile, though, mm. Joe won't even look at Harold. Right. Because Joe is a shiner, because of course he is. He's a mm. child in the Stephen right. King book, and he's one of the last remaining, right? So he knows that, that pe- the people who aren't on the up and up, which is why I'm confused why he's mm. so into Nadine. Right. But we'll get back to it. Well, this maybe. one doesn't seem to be really into Nadine. Like, no, he's but not connecting with her. He does say when they're, you know, when Larry's dropping them off, does the, you know, will this work for you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's right across the hall, so if you need her in the night, she's right. there. And he, like, nods. Like, he clearly has an attachment to her. Right. Uh, it just feels weird. But it's it's odd. It right. is very odd. Uh, and then we cut back to the night that we had just left where Larry is as asleep and Rita is drinking and taking all of the pills. Remember when we talked about those pills that you take when you're scared? You're right. She's going to go ahead and take all of them. Maybe she's just really scared. You should be right so judgmental. Now. <laughs> and uh, then we are back in the house where Nadine and Joe are going to live where there are some haunted games. The games, they are haunted. They start shaking. She goes up and grabs one off of the stack that says planchette on the side because Ouija is copyrighted. And she pulls it down and the cover of it says Tadus, which is the name of the gypsy. Sorry, the Romani. Ro- the Romani in Thinner. Okay. So That's it's a, a callback. Easter egg, a little Easter egg. Uh, and then we are back at the prison. And Lloyd, and we see we're outside the bars, mm-hmm. and it's blurry. Like we, you can the bars are in focus, and then everything else is out of focus. But there's a man standing at the back, and it's dark. And then after like a good fifteen seconds, he starts moving into the frame, and he's singing. Uh Kids games, ollie ollie oxen free or oxen free, ollie ollie oxen free, but also like other little kids game taunt things. And he comes up to Lloyd and Lloyd won't look at him at first. He says, you know, look at me. And Lloyd says, no. He says, why not? He says, because I don't think you're real. 
And uh, this is the first time we're really seeing Randall Flagg. Mm-hmm. We still don't know his name is Randall. We do know it's Flag with two G's because that's how he introduces himself as Flag with two G's. But he says, you know, I'm real, real. And I'm just like, woof. Okay, what are we doing here? Um, and he says, if you're real, you must be the devil. To which he says, that's not ni- a very nice thing to say. <laughs> and uh, we learn, he picks up like the carcass of a rat because Flag says, you know, why... Why are you still alive? Mm-hmm. How come you're still alive? And he goes, you don't want to know that. And he picks up a rat, and it's, like, hollowed out. Right. And then we see the calf of his... Cellmate. Cellmate that has some... Um, missing. Mi- yeah, missing. And he says that uh, that calf looks a little thinner than the other one. Lloyd's like, don't know nothing about that. It look about the same to me. <laughs> like, he's, like, in denial, right? right. And then... Um, he he does flag does a magic trick and turns a key into a prison key. Those mm-hmm. and says, you know, I'll unlock you. And then Lloyd's like, "You're a beautiful fella," <laughs> which is a true statement. That is a true statement. And uh, he says, you know, but you know, if I'm going to let you out, I need I need to know, you know, what I'm getting. Uh, I need you to be loyal. No questioning orders. No falling asleep on guard duty. Mm. He explicitly says that. And then he says, you know, it's it's time for uh, people like us to get revenge. Not just on the people that locked you up, on, but on the people who look at you and see garbage. Because right. you're we're not garbage. You're not garbage. He's like, I'm not garbage. Um, ta- they have a little conversation about the food that Flag just ate, and like Lloyd is like licking, <laughs> like licking the bars. He is clearly starving to death, right? Right. And uh, Flag opens up the the door, the cell door, and then turns the key into a little black stone that glows, very similar, very similar. <laughs> to the thing Nadine's wearing around her neck that nobody sees. And that's the end. And then we get to hear Melanie and her song, Brand New Key. I've got a brand new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new key. So that's the end credits so on this. Overall... How would you say it's doing? I know you said the episode is better than the first episode. I think I think this episode is clearer than the first episode. Mm-hmm. I, also, we now understand that you're doing a lot of nonsense, and right. I understand that that's the nonsense that's happening, the back and forth. Um, this episode was also very long. It was 65 minutes long. Uh, you know, we've now met Two of the five. Mm-hmm. We've barely got Mother Abigail. Barely. I still, I am, are we doing a Nadine episode? Because right now, if this is what we get of Nadine, yeah. I, we have I don't to know at what some we're point, doing. But she is just so boring. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't I'm, know what I'm... I'm I, bummed right. by the fact that she's got a job. Amber Heard has a job. So that puts me against her in the first place. And this is not good. She's not, it's not good. Well, 
Yeah, and I think part of it, for my part, is the fact that the other performance was so riveting. Like, I could not take my eyes off of Laura Sanjikova. She was always doing something. And to go from that to this sort of, like, sleepwalking performance almost. Yeah, no, she looks high. Yeah. It looks like she showed up on 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 set mm-hmm. taking all the pills out of Larry's fucking duffel bag. Right, that was like, what I was like. I I don't like she's Xanaxed out of her fucking gourd. I don't know. It's really, really baffling to me. And I don't know exactly what the the appeal is. Like, why would you go, I have to cast this person in this part? It was very weird. Yeah. I am curious to see how Nat Wolf does in the Lloyd part because I do like both of the Wolf brothers very Mm -hmm. much. Uh, And, and. It's a big thing to live up to. Miguel Ferrer's a legend, like, mm-hmm. and was incredible in the first right. one. Morrison's a little smirky in this episode for me. I liked him better than um, than Sinise in the first episode, right. but maybe not as much as Sinise in the second episode. Mm. I think Franny is about where I need Franny to be, which is kind of dumb and overly excited about having a baby in the apocalypse. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um... I think Owen Teague was good in his one scene today. I think, yeah. and that's about as much of him as I want at any one time. I'm baffled by I don't Nick think Andros. You have to come back to him the, so much. Well, we're gonna have, we to, have to for but... one thing. But yeah. other than that, I think we've got what we have, what we need. Um, but presumably that Nadine now is going to seduce him. Mm-hmm. That's that's their track. Spoiler alert, I guess. But I can't imagine her seducing anybody. So, you know. It just, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, right now I'm not seeing what the point is of her performance. Like, I don't get any of what yeah. her charisma is supposed to be or how she has these men enthralled to her. And But this casting of Ray is very cool. I hope yeah. that that's a bigger part because uh, she seems like a badass. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, give me some more of that. Uh, and, uh, I don't know who's up next, but I presume we're going to learn two more people next. I think it's going to be Nick next. Um, Nick next? uh, It it needs to be his The next episode is called Blank Page. Um, it was directed by two women and written by Jill Killington and Owen King. So the to- the teleplay we we've seen Owen King's name mm-hmm. in the in the produced by he's right. a producer on the show. Owen is um, one of Stephen King's sons. Oh, okay. Uh, he wrote a he co-wrote a book with him, Sleeping Beauties, and he will be writing uh, this episode and uh, the with someone and the entirety of the seventh episode. Uh, so. You know, following Dad's footsteps, I guess. Um, and the next episode, like I said, it's called Blank Page. It's episode three, and it aired. Um, not very surprisingly, given the way that the calendar works, on New Year's Eve of yeah. last year. <laughs> so we're only, like I said, we're only going to watch one at a time because it is very confusing, and yeah. I want to make sure that we're going through it. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of jumbling the time. And then periods, stuff to and... talk about around all of the characters yeah. and the and the 
and the things. But so. yeah, so far, I, 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 like I said, I'm not sure where I'm at. I know that I'm not great with Nadine. I know that. Yeah. I, I will say though, I'm, I, I'm not. I haven't been bored. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Bored. Oh, I'm not bored of the episode as a whole. I was bored with her. Yeah, like bored every with time her for she's sure. in the scene, I'm falling asleep. Heather Graham was a great surprise. Was a fun surprise. I right. don't. I. She's only in the one episode. So that was it. That's mm-hmm. a. Rap on Heather Graham, oh, a series yeah. rap on Heather Graham, and uh, uh, and yeah, and we'll see who's next. It, yeah, uh, we've still got to do Glenn. I mean, we've got we need the judge, right? We need and and Glenn was on Stu's trip in, so Glenn's mm-hmm. probably already there, right? But um, and then we've got, but we've got to do the, the Tom Cullen, yeah. the Tom Cullen, Nick Andros uh, storyline. And that's line. really my favorite couple of the entire program. I love them too. They're, and I hope that they don't spoil it for me because that relationship I is need, the, the heart of this. Yeah, story I need Nick me. to be sweet. Right. That's what I need. I don't know. I don't. I have gotten almost none of him. And the the intro to him is baffling to me. Right, so it's weird. Um, I don't know why he's wearing an eye patch. I don't know what the entire thing is with what they're doing with his character. Um, but yeah, I, I need that that kind of weird uh, of mice and men relationship. Really, to me, is what made the makes the story work. Because you, I actually got anxious whether or not Tom Cullen's going to get out of there alive. Yes. And the way that people have to, and the way that Nick has to betray him. Yes. Um, and his development, I, I, I guess when it first was out, I was skeptical of, in the original broadcast, um, I was really confused as to why you would cast Rob Lowe. He works so well. And then... When I saw him, like, oh, he's doing such a great job, and he had his so much. Char- his charisma is why you cast him. But them. he has so much um, chemistry. Yes. Uh, With this big galoop. Right, and <laughs> you—they really take care of each other. And so, like I said, that that effectively moves the story forward because we have to save the human race because yeah, there's people like this here. These two characters, uh-huh. yeah, are the beating heart of right. this. And if you fuck it up, yeah, Franny and Stu are not going to save you. Yeah, Franny and if, Stu. If, if that spread. is fucked up, then the whole world can implode, and I don't give right. a fuck. <laughs> this is the reason why we're saving the human race because guys like this exist. Right. So I'm a little bit concerned that I'm if, they, if they blow it, they they are really the make or break right. for a stand reboot or yeah. for for a stand adaptation, as far as I am concerned. Yeah. Um. And you have to be careful to make Tom Cullen likable. That's the thing. And not make it a caricature. Right. You, like Not make him scary. It's a, it's a mildly it problematic be, right. character anyways. Yeah. So you, it is such a fine line. I like the actor that they cast. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. So hopefully that's the next one because I feel like that's where we need to be. But I don't know. We'll find out when we watch Blank Page. For next week. Before we get to that, though, do you have anything you want to recommend? Did you watch anything while um, I was gone? No, I caught up. I, I uh, introduced our roommate to the Mysterious Benedict Society, Yay. which we watched recommended last week. 
So fun. And I didn't, we were in the middle of a very interesting horror movie. I'm not going to comment on it because we're like four, half an hour in and then we had to stop because real life intervened. Um, but yeah, I didn't really get a chance to catch up on anything or to, to see anything new. Gotcha. Did you have a, something you want to recommend? Oh, yes, I will do. It's called Kiss. So, for all of the people who like me, like a reality show mm-hmm. that's based on skills, Full Bloom on HBO Max. Full Bloom? What do they do on Full Bloom? They may, they're florists. Kind they're flower designers. Oh, okay. and oh I think I walked into the... You the, walked into, into us watching it. Strange yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. So I have only watched the first like three episodes, mm-hmm. so I cannot speak to the whole entire of the entirety of the thing. There are two seasons on HBO Max that now. Oh, and the other thing, if you don't know and you are a person who likes these shows, making it, which I have previously recommend recommended, is back on NBC now. It is airing. I believe there are two episodes. With Amy Poehler, Nick Offerman, and makers of all kinds. I want to be on that show real bad. Real bad. But I think we've now amped up into people who are way, 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 way better than me at everything. So it's really needed to get in on the ground floor of that one. So my hopes are dashed, but it is back as well. So Full Bloom and Making It are my... Okay. Are my... I'll try to watch more stuff. Yeah, I'm here, so let's watch some things. Yeah, yeah. I think we had a very short week. Yeah. We had a holiday and yeah. a birthday weekend, and we had a lot of stuff intervening, so yeah. Whew. Okay. So next week, mm-hmm. blank page. Right. Uh, one, one, we're going to do one episode at a time, yes. so here we go, everyone. We're going to get through August <laughs> with the stand. And... Uh, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can find us on Facebook by looking up the Latecomers Podcast, or you could tweet at us at Latecomers Pod, or you could email us old school at latecomerspod at gmail.com. I would like to remind you to please take your medicine. And we would like to remind you better, better late than, late than never. never.